The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. Welcome to the Trident Room, brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. On today's episode, Trident Room host Traver Mayfield sits down with Major Paul Sanford. We kind of talked about the two courses that you were instrumental in developing, both uh, both FSMC and Flex, and uh, kind of kind of how those courses were going when you first arrived, and then how, how you and your team built upon them. Um, but you mentioned at the uh, the beginning of our conversation more of the formalization of the actual personnel, the actual instructors, and the the management of that talent, and how how that's also changing in the Marine Corps. So can you talk to us about how how formal school instructors in accordance with some of the initiatives within the talent management 2030 uh, moves that are going on in, in the uh, in the Marine Corps, what are some of the discussions and what are some of the uh, the key research points and talking points that are being looked at right now? So there's a few different aspects to this part of the conversation, in that there's there's other kind of continuums of learning, so to speak, that support being a formal school instructor or some sort of contributing faculty or staff member at a Marine Corps formal school, right? You, you have the curriculum design and development aspect of it. You have other efforts uh, coming out of 2030 and some of our, our research of enabling learning, typically through technology, taking advantage of some of those uh, what we call informal learning spaces or the time that's not spent in a classroom and leveraging that better, using technology to enable more time, the time in the classroom to be focused on doing something as opposed to listening to something. And then there's an assessments piece that goes with it that at a formal school instructor level is important because I need to be able to walk around the classroom and take a gauge of how things are going. But I also need to know how to measure what it is that I'm actually doing. And that's something that we're, we're lagging behind, I think, right now. And so we're executing a few different avenues to address those shortfalls and developing some of the material ourselves and working with TECOM to get after that. So that'll be interesting to see how it impacts this formalization conversation in which the, the Marine Corps is attempting to come up with a, a path to a certified, potentially accredited master instructor. So the problem that we've seen over the years is that so many schools have these pathways to you show up, you do a little bit of training, you come through one of my courses, and you become a basic instructor. You spend some time on the job, and you pass a few evaluations, and you're recognized as a senior instructor. You do a few more, some other school-specific things, and you become a master instructor, uh, I'll say lowercase master instructor, because the second you leave the school, it's meaningless. It has no impact on your career. It doesn't necessarily follow you. Most schools don't track this once you leave. So it's not like, it's not like MOTS and the weapons and tactics instructors, right? Who go through their pathway and then come out once they graduate, they're recognized at the squadron level as being the premier instructor of instructors within the fleet units. There was no linkage to anything like that within training command previously. So recently 
training command or TCOM published the 0951 through 56 series of MOSs. MAGTAFTC just published the 0981 through 86 series to start capturing those instructor's duties formally in a manner that can be tracked by the Marine Corps. Um, now, right now, it's just an extra, it's an EMOS, so it doesn't really serve the same purpose as a, an additional MOS or anything like that. But the intent over the next number of years is that in conjunction with schoolhouse development efforts, like local development efforts, they can bounce back and forth between CLFD courses, uh, continuing training and education at the schoolhouse, and then eventually culminate in a master facilitator course held and overseen by CLFD that they can now say, I'm a certified Marine Corps master instructor that is trackable and matters throughout the institution and not just at each schoolhouse. Now that doesn't take away from the fact that they would still have to obviously learn a school's courses and whatnot when they showed up, but it would serve to recognize those people that, you know, put in that time and effort to learn how to facilitate learning or to enable it, depending on which kind of pathway they might go down if they're more of a support staff member. No, that's awesome. I know when we were, uh, when we were at schoolhouse, we would always message to both, um, to the Fleet Marine Force, the occupational fields, et cetera. Um, you're gonna get out of this what you're gonna put into it and investing more investing more time and resources into developing these instructors or these facilitators and ensuring that we track their track their talent and their development might take some more time, take some more money, et cetera, but you're gonna get way better uh, graduated Marines out the uh, out the end of it. I know um I know you got to take off on leave pretty soon. Again, I definitely appreciate the time, Paul. Just a couple, uh, couple more questions here that I'm going to ask, kind of from the perspective of uh, summoning the some of the listening population. So, this question is from the perspective of if we have any senior Navy or senior Marine Corps leadership that uh, that having me listen to this podcast. What what's the one thing that you want them to know about the ultimate return on investment that these senior Navy and Marine Corps leaders are going to get? by all the great work that you and your team have done uh, in facilitating learning experiences, formal school management course, and just overall the uh, moving the ball in Marine Corps training and education. I mean, first of all, I can't take any sort of credit within CLFD as something that we are doing, right? We, we collaborated with you guys when you were at the schoolhouse. We work with all the other schools in the Marine Corps just at the training command level. And then this is results of what we're trying to do is intended to tie into that entire lifelong development cycle, right? The JCS vision from, I believe it was 2020, kind of talked about establishing intellectual overmatch and developing the force capable of that and having those cognitive capabilities. And if you think about how we train Marine officers, right? Right from the start, we're putting them into problems and encouraging them to think about things. If we can do similar actions or smartly design our courses to do that for the enlisted Marines, it keeps it going for these officers going through their job schools. We're going to start creating Marines that are just more capable and more lethal. 
right? They're now going to be used to solving problems right from the onset of their training pipeline. They can think through a situation because they've been exposed to doing just exactly that. Uh, they can learn from all these experiences by leveraging different technologies. They can leverage their teammates. They might even be forced to use their own resourcefulness depending on what, what it is you're trying to teach. But the, the point is that the context that they're being placed within, the situations and experiences that they are intentionally struggling with because we're trying to set them up not to fail, but to fail mm -hmm. so that they can build on that. Right? That's going to create Marines with a foundation for critical and creative thinking, which is part of that like compounding investment over time so that we have the adaptive problem solvers as corporals and sergeants who are capable of operating with commander's intent and the overarching mission statement in the absence of other guidance. Uh, if we're not doing our utmost to build that foundation as early as possible, I would argue we're failing our Marines. No, that's awesome. No, no nothing wrong with uh, nothing wrong with failure and learning. You know, when someone works out, they're looking to achieve muscle failure in order to gain more strength, etc. So it's a uh, that's a that's awesome. Next uh, next question. Um, this question comes from the perspective of academia, whether it's a professor, student, etc. So. And you've had a bunch of time in the training and education world within the military, both as an instructor and in your current role, and you also have your master's in education. So looking at some of the, the big problem sets within how the military at large does training and education, what, what, are, what, are, what are some problem sets that you think deserve a deeper look that you know, could potentially drive some research questions at an institution, maybe such as MPS, maybe a civilian university, think tank, consulting industry, et cetera. So one of the biggest things that I think we're facing right now is a lack of institutional knowledge within training command to truly assess the impact of the changes that we're making. Uh, There's some schools out there, SOI East is one of them. They're Dr. Bob George, smart guy, academics officer has been using action research methodology to capture their impacts. He published in the Marine Corps Gazette last summer, talking about some of the things that they're doing out there. And they've published a number of different like internal memos and things talking about it. And there's a few other individuals at different schools looking at the small scale course changes that they've made. And that is great. It is absolutely necessary, but we're lacking in that ability to really assess these larger scale impacts that we're definitely having. But right now we're basing our changes off of known research conducted outside of the Marine Corps, right? We're taking, we're taking research that's been done in trade schools, in civilian education, both K through 12 and adult education, and transferring that into our context. It's not a perfect fit. And it's, one of the biggest challenges we face is showing people how that still applies, even though it was done for a group of 11th graders, as opposed to 17, 18, 19 year old Marines. So that would probably be the single largest area, which we would need to work with somebody is, 
is just assessing and evaluating the impact of what we're doing. Uh, a couple years, I guess it's been two, two years now, myself and my counterpart from the East Coast Detachment worked with Marine Corps University and, and talking about some of this. So it's, it's been interesting to see parallels between what Training Command is doing and what the education community within the military, within the Marine Corps especially, has struggled with for a number of years already. We took that initial experimentation from our changes we were making with Flex and kind of presented it to those education command type people at the, was it the Military Scholarship of Teaching and Learning? And a lot of their feedback was exactly what we're facing. But as I mentioned, Training Command just doesn't have the people assigned to it because our focus is on training. So it tends to be luck of the draw or some really invested long-term people like Dr. George who take the time to learn how to do this and then can do it for their commands. But not everybody has that available to them. Yeah, it sounds like a shameless shameless plug for NPS, but it sounds like a maybe sounds like the perfect set of problem sets that uh perhaps people in our defense management or operations research departments could uh could look into. So if any of y'all are out there listening, you know, please feel free to hit up Paul or anyone at Training Command because they could definitely uh definitely use that uh that outside look. Um, because like you said, uh, we as Marine officers, we always want to we always look at the problem from a big perspective and small perspective we want to be able to solve these long-term problems but we have that six inch fight in front of our face as well um that we have to that we have to prioritize most of the time so last question uh, you had your master's in uh education uh did you do a thesis or a capstone project as part of that uh curriculum so right. yeah that, thesis or capstone project yeah yeah i started doing a well, I should say we did a couple of of projects throughout it. The first one, I got to work with the the Phoenix Police Department because obviously the the correlation between their training program and military style training, right? So a lot of similar fundamentals, and they are they were experiencing anyway. This was two thousand eighteen or nineteen. They're experiencing a lot of similar struggles of you know, how can we do this better? And not necessarily having the same kind of guidance that we did, but the the struggle is real and it is shared throughout a number of different communities because we all want to improve. That eventually transitioned into my action research project with the, the local reserve unit out there and taking a lot of the learning science I focused on the theories of learning and how to better use that without making this a whole lecture in and of itself. Um, I worked with the INI unit in Phoenix for a little while on how to really recreate the annual training, right? Because that's obviously a big complaint of the Marine Corps is that annual training is redundant, repetitive, and it's, you know, computer-based. Then we get the order that says, hey, you can do it all small unit and you don't have to use MarineNet, but we tend not to because it's easier to use something that's already done for us. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I worked with them to try to evaluate how well could we incorporate some of these adult learning theories, 
and these active processes. But unfortunately, March 2020 came around and we went into kind of the COVID lockdown. And right at the very beginning of it, we just didn't know how to handle ourselves. So with everything being shut down, closed off, I had to kind of theorize what could have happened, talked with them a little bit more, put it all together. But it really just focused on if it was possible for and these Marines without any formal training in instructorship or curriculum design to kind of recreate something and redesign it. And they absolutely were getting after it and starting to do it. And it was really encouraging to see. And I had no idea at the time just how indicative that was of where we would see these Marines graduating from IDC and now flex and what they can do with it. Um, we have, I say we, training command hosts, the 05, 06 level command teams a few times a year at senior leader calls and the commanding formal schools courses, which is kind of their, the training command specific addition to Cornerstone. And we've been able to take flex graduates, highlight them and the changes that they've made through their programs to that. And it really shows how hungry the Marines are to do something different, not just for the sake of it being different, but I think because we all recognize that PowerPoint aided lecture sucks on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's boring and it just, it creates Marines who just sit back and listen. It doesn't, it doesn't help develop anybody in being active and trying to figure out what they don't know. I'll be the first to admit that I love to go to a, a good lecture because they can be entertaining. Uh, you can ask some good questions and get some back and forth, but I can also do some of my own stuff. Maybe I'll you mm -hmm. know, log on to my email or uh, what have you, and I don't necessarily have to pay super close attention. right? And that's, that's easy to do. And it's also, as an instructor, once I've memorized it and I'm really comfortable with my material, I can just kind of shut my brain off because I've got that muscle memory down. I can, I know when I'm going to ask my questions. I know that what I'm presenting is unlikely to really trigger any real deep thought. So anything coming from the students, I can probably handle really quickly because at the end of the day, within training, man, we're subject matter experts. We come to the schoolhouse because we know our job. So if I've got everything memorized, hey, easy day. And when you start to actually develop your, your plan of attack for the day and think about ways that you can engage and engage the students with the material and not just with your questions and get them doing a thing, you have to pay more attention. You have to be more knowledgeable about what it is you're talking about. And it's exhausting. Myself and my counterpart on the East Coast now, Major Wagaman, will finish up a three-day FSMC and we're wiped. My instructors will get through their two-week flex and they are exhausted. And it's, it's not that it's anything particularly difficult in and of itself, but just that anticipation and the planning that goes into doing things in this way is so much more difficult and so much more intensive that you have to be on your toes at all times. It's not, I don't believe that it's more difficult in the sense that it's a, a higher level 
you need to be more experienced to plan things out. I think that's, I don't know, I think that's a horrible argument. If you're leading a thing, you need to plan to lead it. You can't just memorize everything you're going to say, show up and do it. But that's mm -hmm. what we have our instructors do or what we did have them do. So with Flex, now they can, they're taught how to plan this stuff out. They can look at and analyze a provided lesson plan, make some personalizations, potentially make some recommendations for changes to make things even more active or engaging. And then they can work with the students to get to that outcome that is learning whatever it is, not just yell at you until you pass a test and then get you out of here so I can do it again day in and day out. Yeah, definitely. Uh... Paul, thanks again for your time, man. Um, one last question, and we'll let you get out of here and go execute some uh, some well-deserved and well-earned leave. Um, having been through that master's program as a student, and then you've been working in training education, multiple duty assignments, uh, what piece of advice would you give some of our students here at the Naval Postgraduate School to get the most out of this uh, academic experience that they're, uh, that they're currently undertaking? As a student, it's tough, right? Because what we've found, and I say we as CLFD, what we found is we've tried to go through all these changes and innovations and experimentation is that if you don't have the support in place, you're not going to go anywhere. And that makes it really hard to kind of overcome, especially when, when you're just confined by the system itself. Right. One of the things that we've seen is that the big pushbacks we get from other schools is that the policy doesn't support the changes. Well, sometimes you have to set policy aside a little bit and be prepared to answer to your boss for the fact that you didn't do things in the way that either you're supposed to or it's expected to and be prepared to justify your position. Uh, you have to take a risk if you're going to try something new. And that's, I don't know, that's kind of silly and seems like something anybody would ever say and obvious. But it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. If you're not going, if you're not going to fail, you're not going to learn. Mm -hmm. And the only way to fail is to really take a risk and to try something new and be prepared to justify it on the back end. Now, I've been yelled at for a lot of things and I've been yelled at for messing a lot of things up. And... I've only regretted it when it was done because I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. And so when I think about some of the things that I tried when I was at Arizona State and figuring out this master's with a, with a cohort that has spent their entire career in K-12 education, mind you, and I'm showing up as just a crayon-eating Marine, <laughs> uh, trying to learn as I go, I had to build in my own space to fail and reach out and collaborate and coordinate. And without that, I would have struggled a lot more. If you have the commands cover to have that space for failure and plan to fail in the first place, it becomes not an obstacle to overcome, but it becomes something to kind of leverage and to slingshot yourself towards a better experience overall. Yeah, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Great, uh, hey, great talking to you, Paul. Uh, glad to have you as a shipmate, both in the uh, 
training and education world, as well as our primary military occupational specialty, aviation command and control. Thanks again for your time, man, and uh, hope you have a good day. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for joining us in the Trident Room. For more information about today's guest and topics, please visit the show notes. The Trident Room podcast has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at tridentroompodcasthost at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash tridentroompodcast. podcast.